Welcome once again, Bears fans, to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And I've got a good old joke for you today. How about that? Okay. Let's do it. How many Bears does it how many Bears fans does it take to screw in a light bulb? <laughs> how many? Two. One to screw in the bulb and the other to talk about how good the old bulb was. <laughs> yeah. Talked uh Martellus Bennett about that one. Like I thought that one was um, pretty I thought that was pretty fitting one for today. That's pretty aligned with Bears culture. Um Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Hope y'all enjoyed the buy. As I always say, the best kind of NFL Sunday is one that does not get ruined by the Bears. It was so, so it was so stress free. Yeah, a lot of a lot of good games on Sunday too. So hope everyone enjoyed it. But the Bears are back, dun dun dun, and <laughs> got five more games. And I, we we just wanted to use this episode to uh, just talk through a couple of questions about how the season's gone so far and what we're we're looking for from now until we call this one a wrap. So, Tom, I mean, I think that's the best way to start is just, like, we've had all the conversations about the coach and the GM and the quarterback and Kevin Warren and just everything throughout the season so far. But just as a fan, like, where are you sitting right now and what are you looking for for the next five games? Are you hoping they go 5-0? and Are you hoping they go 0-5? Like, where's your head at when it comes to the rest of the season? So, you know, obviously this is the biggest conundrum for all the Bears fans. And it would be so interesting to be a bug on the wall in Paul's office to kind of get some kind of idea of what his master plan is other than I started building the team in 2022 and this is how I'm doing. But um, the next five games, you know, obviously uh, I did like what I just read uh, today Um I don't know whether you saw Fields' comments. They kind of addressed, uh, uh, directly addressed him in the Chicago Tribune um, about what he thought about all the buzz because obviously, you know, he he hears it. And I felt like, just to paraphrase, I felt like he kind of just came straight out and said, hey, that stuff is beyond my control. What I want to do is go out and play as good as I can and then leave the rest up to the to the powers that be because that's all he really can do. You know, I mean, he is where he is at this spot and I've never seen anything to not show that that kid isn't as competitive as any athlete I've ever seen uh, when he gets on the field. And that's what I want to see for him. I'd love to see him light it up if possible. Now, how, how it translates into what is that the end of the year is that's the part that's so hard because it's like a completely different question you know i mean where does that go who's making the decision is always the bear's question is it going to be kevin Warren swooping in and just saying we're done with all you idiots you're all out of here or is it going to be ryan poles you, you don't know but is it a three-headed right. dragon? Is it a two-headed dragon? Is it one, you know... Is it George coming down from whatever <laughs> mysterious palace he sits at? You have no idea with these guys, but look, th those quotes from Fields are great, and you love to hear it. When you hear 
athletes or people in general say that they're only focused on what they can control, that usually means they know they're done yeah. <laughs> wherever they're at. And look, Justin Fields might have a good feeling that he's not going to be here. Like, it doesn't take a genius to look at where the Bears are and say they've right. done well with him as the quarterback and they're going to have a very high draft pick and likely going to have a new coach. So, look, he, I'm sure, sees the writing on the wall. And that doesn't mean he can't go out these last five games and try to fall out and change their minds. But he knows what's likely to happen here. He knows that he's probably going to be looking for another place to work next yes. year. And I, I think that it's just his way of saying, look, I am not going to worry about that right now. I've got five more games here and I'm going to go out and do the best I can. And look, we've seen plenty of examples of quarterbacks that are on their way out not behave that way. I mean, look at what's going on in New York right now with Zach Wilson. <laughs> so <laughs> right. We or remember, remember Cutler at the end? Like, I mean, we've seen it go the opposite direction. But look, I, I think for these last five games – I think you can say that the Bears' arrow is somewhat pointing in the right direction. It's not, like, pointed all the way up, but they have played better over the last eight games or so. They've been, I think, around 500 for the last eight. So, look, there's been a little bit of progress. The defense is playing well. We've seen Fields do some nice things last game, notwithstanding, but I, I don't... I'm, I'm a little conflicted internally, honestly, because would I like Fields to play really well and the Bears to go 4-1 and one in this stretch and have a stronger case for them to bring Fields back next year? I would, because I really like Justin Fields, but I would also kind of like them to lose out and uh, guarantee the third overall pick in the draft yeah, and to set themselves up for another you know, massive offseason in terms of getting more resources onto this team. So, I don't know. I mean, I think the Bears will probably decide for us because this team hasn't been very successful. Right. And it, it's funny, and this is maybe another question for you, because there's a lot of positive vibes coming out of that locker room right now after that win against the Vikings. Like, yeah. I heard somebody somebody today saying that the Bears players are talking about going 5-0 and and making the playoffs. <laughs> Which, I mean, you know, of course, what else? It's not impossible. Say, it's highly improbable. You, are, yeah, I mean, the, the team hasn't won two games in a row in like three years. Right. So going 6-0 and oh down the stretch is a lot to ask. But right. are you like buying the positive vibes on them? Like, are, are you seeing a team that's going in the right direction? Or are you kind of like, eh, this is a little bit of noise and a lot of these wins are ugly and some of them involved Tyson Bajant? So, <laughs> so... Uh, number one, I am buying some of the positive vibes. I'm buying it that the players believe in the team more at this point than we have seen uh, under this particular coaching regime. Um, that's something, you know, that was a pretty common uh, comment after the last two games was that the team is just playing better. Uh, I mean, it, that's, you know... Just any football fan can watch the last two games and go, this team is playing more as a cohesive unit, uh, which is something that you and I talked about since the beginning of the season, right? We just, you know, the, the big problem here is that all Bears fans 
thought we'd see this in week one, week two, week three, and instead, you know, here we are past the midpoint of the season and we've watched several total garbage games, total dumpster fires, and just been so frustrated with that. Now, I mean, there's no doubt that those guys are playing with more uh, spirit on the field. And um, they're certainly, you're, st you're starting to see uh, some of the players that are younger, uh, like last week you, you pointed out Javon Dexter, um, you know, you're starting to see them adjust to the NFL, right? I mean, that's, that's part, of the, part of the game. Well, it, the, the conundrum that we're stuck in now is last year there wasn't any, I, I, wasn't any doubt about what we were going to do. Tank it. Lose the rest. We want number one overall. And that's what happened. Now, there's a good chance we're going to end up with number one overall. But like you said, we could end up with in the top five as well. I just for as a just as a pure Bears head, I want to see him go out and play and win. I certainly last week enjoyed us beating the Vikings, even though it didn't really mean much. Because to me, it was still sticking it to the Vikings. And I'm a happy guy anytime they're losing. So, so uh, you know, that, that part of it was good. And, you know, it's the same this week. It's another division game. We should have beat Detroit the first time. And I think they have a real solid shot, a real solid shot at beating them this weekend. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it'll largely take care of itself because... Can the team play really well and go, or not really well, but by their standards, can the team play well and go one and four down the stretch here? Yep. Absolutely. Like, the team's still not very good, and we've seen that throughout the year. I mean, they're, what, what is, what's their record now? Four and eight? Yep. And like I said, they haven't won two in a row in two years. And so, like, the people that are saying – Look, the team's playing better, and the schedule's weak down the stretch, so we think we can go on a run. It's like, sure, theoretically, but this team hasn't shown you that they're likely to sustain success for the no. next month. And like, even that win over the Vikings was one of the ugliest wins you'll ever see in your entire life. Absolutely. <laughs> they, they tried their best to give it away. Both teams wanted to lose that game. So I don't think that the Bears are primed for some magical playoff run here. But look, when you look at the schedule, it's not very intimidating. Like you said, Detroit hasn't been playing very well, and we know that Goff stinks in the cold, and the Bears almost beat them once. And then they've got the Browns, who are down to Joe Flacco, who they signed two weeks ago, who actually, by the way, played pretty well in his debut. But, you know, th that's not uh, – offense that's going to strike fear into our hearts and then we've got the cardinals and then we've got the falcons and then hey if you go four and oh in that stretch it sets up a win and in game in lambo which what can go wrong there but <laughs> um, right i i don't i don't think this team's gonna go on that type of a run here i, I think more than likely we get a couple down the stretch here and we end the season at six and eleven and we're picking eighth or ninth in the draft with the Bears pick on top of wherever Carolina ends up, likely to be number one overall. And look, would that be a successful season in your mind if you can look at it and say the start was terrible, but they ended up improving on their win total by 
two or three games and they ended up with two top 10 picks and you saw some development from some of the young players on the defense, like, would you count that as a success or how would you think about that if, if that's where things ultimately end up? You know, see, and that, that's pretty much a philosophical question, right? It's like, ooh, let's get deep here. Well, actually, you kind of got to get deep because the thing is, is that you got to understand that when it comes right down to it, there's, as we were just saying, there's George, there's Kevin, and there's Ryan. And they're the guys in charge. And they're, one of them is the one that is making the primary decisions. In my opinion, Poles is still the one that is driving the car. The other two guys are, you know, saying, hey, you know, we, we think you, you should do these things to the car, but I still think that Poles is the, is the primary person there, and it comes down to his philosophy. And he said it, if we're to believe what he said, he said at the beginning that he wanted to build through the draft. He started to do that. He said he's wanted to use free agency as supplement. He started to do that. He said that we're not going to be contenders in 2022 and 2023, and we're not. But he did say that he expected us to challenge for a division crown in 2024. He did say that he wanted us to be good for the next 10 seasons. And both of those things are distinct possibilities with the way the team is right now. But... As you were saying earlier, it's highly unlikely that they suddenly go on a roll simply because they still don't have the personnel, right? So, I mean... Or, or the coaching. Yeah, and, you know, that's a, that's a whole nother layer, right, that, we've, that really is so disappointing to be having to deal with that question again already. I really... It just really stinks. Well, and... I think that's the biggest obstacle. Like, is the personnel good? No. But look around the league. Like, everyone's pretty average. Everyone everyone's is pretty average. The, everyone's kind of in the blob, other than you've got a couple of teams that are really, really good and a couple of teams that are really, really bad. And then you got 25 teams that, if you put them on a neutral site, flip a coin to see who wins. I mean, right. the, league, the, the league is... The definition of parody. So every week when you're in that blob, coaching matters a lot. I think the Bears are one of the worst coached teams in the NFL. I do. And if if you if you go down this stretch run here, like are they better coached than the Lions? No. No. Are they better coached than the Browns? No. no. Are they better coached than the Cardinals? Probably not. Are they better coached than Atlanta? Maybe a better coach than the Packers? Definitely not. So, like, do they have the personnel where if some luck goes their way, they could rattle off some wins here? Yes, because I think they're around league average, probably uh, slightly below average, but, you know, accounting for injuries, they're, they're definitely competitive with a lot of teams. But is this coaching staff putting them in a position where – the whole is greater than the sum of its parts and they're being put in the best position to win some of these games? Like, definitely not. Like, the coaching's terrible. So and We've known that for two years. So one thing I, I want to slide in right there, and I really want your take on this, is I remember when Lovey came to the team, and to me, the you know, one of the coolest instances I ever saw of a football of a of a head coach of the Bears 
was him stepping to the microphone and saying, the first thing we got to do is beat the Packers. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm already in love with this guy, right? When I look at how the Bears are doing, I like to try and gauge it against the rest of the teams in, in the division to keep it as local as, as possible. You know what I mean? If you look at it locally, in other words, our four teams in the division, how does our, how does our coaching staff measure up? Now, in my opinion, they're the, out of four, they're the worst. By far. So, I mean, there you go, right? I mean, really, do you have to take the, the conversation much further than that? I mean, you can't even look at your own division, which is just one of eight, and go, um, yeah, we suck the worst out of four teams, let alone the entire, the entire league. So when you're in that kind of position after only two years of, of them being in charge, there's there's serious issues, and that's that's to me what is really just disheartening. Yeah, and look, is Matt Eberflus proving to be a, a good ish defensive coordinator? I think maybe he is, but he's maybe, not a good head yeah. coach. And 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 what was what was the knock on Lovey for all those years? It's that he could never get the offense right. He couldn't get an offensive coordinator in here. Right. And we're kind, of, we're kind of going through the same thing, but the difference is the league has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Offense is a lot more important now than it was in 2005. Yes. The rules have been tweaked since then to favor the offense. Look, ha- having a good defense is great, but when your offense sucks, then you're not going to be very good anymore. Like, teams don't really win games with just a good defense anymore unless you're this year's Pittsburgh Steelers and like every lucky bounce goes your way ever like for the most part if you have a really good defense and a bottom 10 offense you're going to be a bottom 10 team that's just right. how the league works nowadays so the Bears offensive coaching is Cleveland awesome. Browns are a really good example of that right now yeah but they at least like we're able to put up points for a decent part of the year. No, I'm and just saying, I'm just saying their defense is really, really good, but their offense all year has been mediocre at best. Right. And their offense has at least put up, had some stretches where it's put up some points. Yeah. And, and they've had some luck too. Like go back to the game where we picked them in survivor and they needed every miracle possible to get a one point victory against the Colts. So like the point stands that you need to have uh, efficient and explosive offense. If you're going to really contend for anything in this league. And have we seen anything from Luke Getzey to make us think that's possible? Like that's the biggest flaw with this team right now is I just think they're poorly coached specifically on offense and, you know, and in a league like this where coaching can be a differentiator, that is just not a good position to be in because generally the rosters are all pretty comparable. It's been screamed out many, many times over, and it will continue. Uh, the Bears, you know, their, their first shot at it was Matt Nagy. Um, <laughs> that didn't work. Uh, they decided to flip the script back to another defensive head coach against the wishes of a lot of fans. Uh, it 
doesn't seem like it's working out real well. His his choice of offensive coordinator has been poor. I don't I don't see anything to indicate that he has done anything of value. Uh, I mean his the the quarterback situation is in as, is almost as bad as it's ever been. The receiving situation is not good. The offensive line is finally playing decently, but it's still not what it needs to be. It's the same things that we have seen for the last decade. Nothing has changed. And the, the thing is, is that we still are at the point where we're watching the game this was most this was actually the commentators in the Minnesota game going hey maybe you guys want to stop throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage you know i mean come on you know when 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 the commentators are actually saying that stuff you know you know that's uh it's things are not the way they need to be yeah, NFL commentators generally get a lot of their way to be generous. <laughs> they do. They do. They that's what they're supposed to do. So, yeah, and that's not the only example of that. I mean, there's been too many times with this offensive coaching staff where you're just shaking your head at what's going on on the field. So, I mean, I – and look, it, it, there has been some – year amongst Bears fans that these guys are all going to come back. I just don't see how it's possible. And I know we've been over that time and time again, but I don't know how you look at this and say this coaching staff has really made this team better. These are going to be the guys that we're going into year three with. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. Admit your mistake and cut your losses and say, all right, we had some guys in here that were, building our culture while we were tanking and they helped develop some of our guys, but it's time to move on to uh, bigger and better things on this coaching staff. And the other point that I've heard come up recently with respect to Eberflus is, well, if you fire Eberflus, then you might hire somebody that wants to run a different defense. And then we've wasted two years building up the defense. It's like, you can find a defensive coordinator to come in and run the four three. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not hard to find somebody that can come in and run a defense. And then you just do the opposite of what you've been doing so far. You've got the offensive coach that runs the offense, and then you've got the defensive coordinator that essentially is the head coach of the defense, which is what Luke Getzey was brought in to be on the offensive side of the ball. But same concept, and I'd much prefer it that way because then you've got your defensive guy that can run the defense and get the most out of Dexter and Pickens and Gordon and all the guys. But... Yeah, but there needs to be an offensive mind. Keep John Hoke and uh, and go get uh, Ron Rivera. <laughs> Make him. Yeah. Uh, be done with that. Phil Snow, Phil Snow, he's the consultant that they brought in, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 what like, what find, job is that? <laughs> you, you can find like replacement level defensive coordinator. I think like, so. That's not as. Di- Difficult to find is like offensive genius. Well, and you know the the other part is is context, right? I was reading uh, some stuff the other day, and uh, it was it was it was Cronin, and, and and she had a little blip in there. You know, Tyson Badgett went two and two, and 
it, it, that, that just stuck me like a little pin. And the reason is, is because there's no context to that at all. Right. Yeah, and I've, I've and I was that, thinking. I've heard that quoted a lot. Yeah. Right. And and the like, thing is, well, Justin is, Fields has won two games and Tyson Bajan has won two games. Like, <laughs> really? Right, right. So, you know, we, we were talking about the last five games, right? Well, let's put some context there. The Bears beat the Vikings with a guy who has been playing for them for three weeks and the arguably one of the best offensive weapons in the NFL wasn't playing in that game. So, <laughs> so, so got, when you add context... Three weeks. Isn't good. <laughs> yeah. When you add context, things things change, right? It's like, yeah, okay, what teams did he beat again? Oh yeah, the Oakland Raiders and the Carolina Panthers. So, you know, I mean, it, it, there's there's a lot uh, there's a lot uh, to be the left to be desired when when you start to peel the layers back a little bit. I'm happy that they played better. I'm happy that they played better against Detroit. I was disappointed in Detroit when they collapsed at the end of the game. I was happy that they were able to keep to barely make it through the end of the Vikings game and win. Technically, it would have been better if we would have lost because, like you said, it would help us maintain a better draft position. I just the homer in me was like, "Oh, that was cool that we beat the Vikings." I I was grinning about it when when I saw my buddies who were all purple fans, you know. And I said, "They said they said so. What do you think?" And I said, "I I said one garbage team beat another garbage team." So you know, I mean, really, that's what it was, right? Yeah, exactly. And your point on context is a good one, just because, like, the Bears have their four wins, but they're mostly against, like, corpse teams. Like, yeah. you beat the corpse, of, the corpse of Washington on Thursday Night Football. You beat the corpse of the Raiders, who were so done with their head coach that when he got fired, they were smoking cigars in the locker room. <laughs> The, the Carolina Panthers, and then that just absolutely horrible Vikings performance. So it's not like they've been going out against anybody with a pulse and beating them. Yeah. Like it, it's four really ugly wins. And, you know, to their credit, a win's a win in the NFL. You can't take them away. But I, I haven't seen anything from this team that really makes me think that they're ready to be a serious contender for like anything meaningful like sure they can win a couple games down the stretch here and be in the hunt for the seventh playoff seed also like the team in the nfc that makes the seventh playoff seed is probably going to be eight and nine it's not like making the playoffs in the nfl as a wild card anymore is that high of a bar and if you don't believe me go and look at some of the teams that would be in the playoffs if the season ended today like there's we're we're shaping up to have like one of the absolute worst playoff fields I've ever seen just because of all the quarterback injuries and because of just the overall parity of the league. So yep. like if they go out and beat the and beat the Lions at home and put together impressive wins against a couple of these other teams and then go up to Lambeau and win, then we can have a conversation. But Going back to the point from the start of the episode, I, I haven't seen anything from this team to make me think that any of that's going to happen. And look, could they beat the Lions and shock 
the NFL. I mean, sure. And it wouldn't even be that big of a shock. The Lions no. would be point favorites. But if they do that, I fully expect them to lay an egg versus the Panthers or versus the Falcons or versus the Cardinals. Like that's just who this team has been. They're they're below average and and more than anything, they've found ways to lose, except in very, very rare circumstances. Actually, uh, uh, you make a great point. You want to talk about a shock win. Watch the Bears go up to Lambeau and win. That would be a shock. And I don't care what it is. It, we win by one point at the end of the game. I'll be jumping up and down and tooting the horn and we'll be <laughs> we'll we'll be doing our chant in the bar at full blast. So <laughs> well, especially because that game is very likely to be meaningful for the Packers now with how they've played. Yeah. Like that it's very possible they'll need to win that game to get into the playoffs or it'll at least impact their seeding. So yeah, I mean that could be a big game and like We've seen teams in week 18 when there's nothing to play for, just quit. So, you know, we'll see what state the Bears are in by then. I mean, last year during week 18 was when we started Peterman, right? So, yeah. Some, sometimes you just don't get the franchise's best effort in that spot, but we'll see. Um, before we move on to the, the rest of the episode, and then just, is, is, if you had to pick like one player other than Fields to, say that you're going to have your eye on for these last five games? Like, is there anybody you're excited to watch or that you're kind of looking at to, uh, with, like, a specific, like, lens for evaluating them? Like, anybody you got your eye on? Montez Sweat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, one thing is, to me, it is not a coincidence that suddenly the defense has been playing better. Um, I, I wonder actually how much of a coincidence that Eberflus is getting a little bit more credit about the defense playing better as opposed to the fact that we just added a quality player who has literally transformed the defensive line. Because the defensive line went from being absolutely awful, like literally at the grade level that is not acceptable at all. And now it's moved to a spot where at least the opposing team has to account for it on some level. Uh, in the last two games, they've at least been able to make their presence known, and it's shown. That's why the secondary has performed so, uh, well, it's related to why the secondary has performed so well in the last two games. You can't understate the impact. I mean, he's so much fun to watch. He just is out there and making, he's in the backfield a lot. A lot. One of, one of the, <laughs> like, one of the controversies has been that I think he's only playing like 70% of the snaps. Which, you know, of yeah. course he is, right? <laughs> With his coaching staff. There's another Eberflus question. If you, if you can't explain it, sure enough, this, this bunch will do it. But, yeah, he's been really fun. And, I mean, I'm excited to watch the defensive line in general because you have been noticing Dexter more. Dexter's not been playing very many snaps, like less than 50%. So yep. I'm interested to see if he gets a little bit more run the last few games of the season, especially because he's been producing more. And then, you know, I've, I've liked what I've seen out of some of the more 
complementary pieces, whether that's Billings or whether that's Justin Jones or Green. Like, I think the Lions played well, and I think a lot of that is due to sweat, but I hope they continue that for these last few games because, look, in defense of Matt Eberflus, your defense is going to be awful when your defensive line is awful. Like, I don't right. care how good of a coach you are, your defense is going to suck if the line sucks. So, that's if not they new. Continue to, <laughs> no, like, that's been true forever. I don't care how good your secondary is. If the quarterback's got seven seconds to throw, he's going to find somebody. So, yeah. I'm excited to watch the line as a whole. I, I think Dexter is the one player I'm going to have my eye on. And also Tyreek Stevenson in the secondary. I, I thought he was playing really well. I mean, he missed the Vikings game with an injury, but sounds like he's going to be back. So hopefully he finishes strong because so far this is looking like a pretty solid draft class from polls. I, I think in general, the top guys he's picked have had their rookie moments, but for the most part, I think you've seen a lot of encouraging signs. So Going to be keep my eyes on them as well as like obviously Justin Fields. I mean that's the big one that we're all going to be evaluating. Now one thing um, I will comment on: uh, I, I picked Sweat just because I, I was so excited when he came, and it is it, it's it, it's it's noticeable the change that he has made to the team. And um, it's like you said, it's fun to see somebody wearing navy in the opposing backfield finally. Right. right. Um, but, uh, you know, um, there's there's uh, several other young players. Uh, one that I really love to see him get touches is Roshan Johnson. I, I think that Rojo, if I had to select out of the guys that we've got right now, he'd be my one. He'd be my number one back. Um, I think he has the best size, speed, and burst combination out of any of the guys. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, Luke Getze, I'm calling you, you know, he still is not that much of, he doesn't get that many touches. So I don't, I mean, I don't, that's the thing is that as a fan, I can't even understand the running back situation. I mean, it almost seems like, totally random one thing that i have um one thing i i think that you're really good at jim um and you surprise me sometimes is you do a really good job of spotting who is on the field and who's not in particular situations and some of them that you pointed out the last couple of weeks i mean it was like a couple of weeks ago when dj moore wasn't on the on the field at the end of the game and i'm like what the hell? You know, and, yeah. and you know, and that's the so kind of stuff. Time out of dummies. Yeah, exactly. It's like, how how are we at the point at this point in the system where we're not even getting that correct? I mean, how do, how does it how does it get past everyone in Chicago? And I'm talking about the media, and I'm talking about the team itself, that somebody isn't coming out and saying specifically, yes, we realize that, you know, uh, he wasn't out there for this particular play, you know. Um, or, uh, you know, Montez Sweat wasn't out there when we needed big defensive stops uh, right there at the end of the Detroit game. You know, that kind of thing. I don't know. I, uh, I I can't answer those questions. And look, the questions have been asked to Ibrahim and Gatsy, and typically the answers that are provided are pretty damn bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, mean, I remember 
when they were asked about Sweat and why he was playing 70% of the snaps, Eberflus just says, well, that's how we do things around here. <laughs> it's like, hey, buddy, you're not good enough to be able to say that's right. how we do things around here. Like, you're not Bill Purcells. Yeah, if, if that's how we're doing things and you're six and whatever, do it a different way. <laughs> you're doing power I mean, look, there's been many things that are confounding, and I just think that's bad coaching. And I don't know whose job that is to say, hey, DJ Moore's not on the field right now. We need to get a timeout. I don't know if that's the offensive coordinator's job or if there's supposed to be an assistant that gets in Luke Etsy's ear and says, hey, 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 call timeout, call timeout. Our best player's not on the field here. But we've seen examples of it throughout the last two years, and it just – you know, things just seem to slip through the cracks on this team, and that's not what happens on good, co- on well-coached teams. Yes, and uh, that obviously is not happening, and that's a big problem. That is a big problem. The other, um, uh, the other thing that uh, that that keeps popping back up in my head when you look at this coaching staff is simply what. If you look at it from personnel, we had two coaches escorted out of the building. No, they didn't get fired because the team was performing poorly or their particular position, the players there weren't doing what they were supposed to. They were told to leave by HR. That is an that is a big issue. And that would be an issue in any corporation. I mean, can you imagine being at Medtronic and you you hear that your 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 like department head suddenly got walked out of the building? I mean, um, you're not going to be looking at that and going, "Oh well, you know, I guess uh, the accounting department just we missed the budget this year." No, you're looking at that and going. Whoa, <laughs> I wonder if there's going to be police outside if, it, you know, so, I mean, I'm just saying that that's not your, that's not a standard reason to see an NFL coach get dismissed. Well, that's been a uh, counter argument. Uh, well, the defense has played so much better because Matt Eberflus took over. It's like, well, why did he yeah. have to take over? <laughs> like, um, there was the reason for that in your kind of yada yada ing over it. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's with this coaching staff, there's any reason that you could possibly want to move on. And I hope they do. So, so uh, we'll go we, ahead uh, and, um, power rankings. yeah, we'll move on to the, to the power rankings. And, uh, let's see here. Um, so this week, the NFL nation reporters, Name one player or coach who has been a pleasant surprise for each team. And uh, so the um, the number one team this week, uh, of course, is the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, they moved up uh, to number one. I mean, after the big win, obviously. Um, the pleasant surprise is listed as Brock Purdy. I don't know whether that really is... Uh, that big of a surprise. I mean, obviously, he's just a second-year player, and he didn't even play a full year last year. And he did come back from a pretty b- big injury. So, you know, he's doing well for himself. But uh, So let's go to number six, which is the Detroit Lions. The pleasant surprise there. Oh, former Iowa Hawkeye tight end Sam Laporta. 
Uh, let's see here. And uh, we drop down a bit further. Green Bay, number 12. Their pleasant surprise defensive coordinator, Joe Barry. Looks like uh, they're still in the middle of the league in yards allowed, but they're... Uh, and they're <laughs> doing terrible against uh, in rushing yards, but it looks like they're doing... Well, you know, they're, the Packers' defense is playing better. Vikings are at number 17. Uh, they dropped down from number 15 to 17. Uh, their pleasant surprise is safety Josh Metellus. And, um, you know, that... Uh, well, you know, their defense has just been... Their defense has probably played, I'd say it's been at least the best defense I've seen out of Minnesota for probably the last five years. Um, yeah, I was I was really dubious when they hired Brian Flores because I think he's a great coach, but I'm just like, their personnel on defense is awful. But he's done a great job. I mean, we've seen he really has. The Bay- yeah. like we've seen him put the Bears into a box twice. So, I mean, that, I... I underestimated even, and I thought he was a good coach, and even I underestimated him. I would be surprised if he's still there next year. So, okay, uh, so where's the Bears? They were at 27. Uh, I would have to think they're still right around there. (laughs) 26. They moved up a spot. Uh, so the pleasant surprise is defensive tackle Andrew Billings. Um, that has been a nice surprise. Uh, Billings, a 28 year old nose tackle signed with the bears as a free agent in March and earned himself a two year extension. Uh, he's been a stalwart of the defensive line and a major part of the reason why the bears are the number one run defense, 79 rushing yards allowed per game, 3.5 yards per carry entering week 14. Uh, and uh, he has recorded 18 total pressures, 16 hurries, and has a career-high 10.2 pressure rate uh, this season. So he's only 28, so that was a nice uh, pickup um, from, the, uh, from the Raiders and, um, you know, earned himself a nice extension. Uh, one, definitely one of the reasons that the, um, you know, so you, you see some nice additions there. Uh, on the defensive line compared to what Poles inherited. Um, I, I think Justin Jones was a solid addition. No, he's not spectacular, but he's out there every snap and he plays solid. He does a good job against the run and he does get some penetration on the pocket. So we're, we're seeing the defensive line go from completely lousy <laughs> to, to just above lousy. Well, that's not a position where you want spectacular. Like, that's someone that's in there to eat up blocks and uh, plug up the run game, and I I think he's done that very well. So, look, is he the sexiest defensive player to give a contract extension to? No, but it's someone you need on defense, and I think he has done a nice job. He's been a, a very nice addition, so I am happy that he'll be around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I, I, and then below that, of course, is Jets, Giants, Commanders, Cardinals, Patriots, Panthers. Uh, so uh, the um, the Patriots, uh, they said that the nice um, the nice play is Jabril Peppers, who I've been a fan of since he was uh, at Michigan, 
And I think he is scheduled. Did he get signed? I can't. Re- I can't remember. I thought he was scheduled to be a free agent this year. Um, I think safety is certainly something that the Bears are going to have to look at addressing because while I certainly have been uh, happy with Jaquan Brisker, Eddie Jackson, um, you know, you can't really depend on him uh, that much anymore, don't you think? Yeah, I'd be surprised if Jackson's back. Um, He just, you know, is is paid too much for the impact that he makes. I don't see Peppers on the list of pending free agents. I could be looking in the wrong place, but my guy that I've got an eye on is the Eddie Jackson replacement is Geno Stone from Baltimore. Oh, right. I like him a lot. Um, he's going to be a free agent, and Baltimore's got some big contracts, and I think a bit of a log jam at that position. So keep an eye on that name, Geno Stone. All right. So we'll move um, over to... And by the way, while we're transitioning here, I know last year we spent a lot of time on the tank standings around this time of year. <laughs> if you're if, if you're a Bears fan and you're listening to this episode, and I know we're recording on Thursday, but if, if you're listening to this episode before the game tonight, Steelers, Patriots, get your Mitch Trubisky jerseys on because if Mitch Trubisky can find a way to lose this game against the Patriots tonight, it pretty much guarantees the Bears will have the first overall pick. So. Yeah. If you need a reason to watch this game, <laughs> get out your New England Patriots pom-poms and let's root for Mitch to do what he does best, which is to play poorly against really good defenses. <laughs> Dang, that's rough. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I think Mitch is probably not going to play too well tonight. He doesn't usually do very well in prime time. Um but uh, I, oh, what, oh, I don't know what I don't know what happened to him. Like he wasn't good when he was on the Bears. Don't get me wrong, but I thought that he could. I thought he was serviceable. Like, yeah, like a solid backup slash like bottom of the barrel starter. But like he's really bad. Man, like, he's really bad. I I don't know if maybe like he was just getting so much coaching when he was with the Bears that it elevated his game a little bit. And now that he's the backup and he's not getting any special attention, he's just like, but terrible. But I mean, he's just like, oh my God, you can't have him out there anymore. So we'll see how he does tonight. I mean, terrible game, two awful offenses. I I think Mitch probably will be good (laughs) enough to get the job done because his opponent is Bailey Zappi, who's even worse. But I hope he doesn't because... I want the Patriots to get one more win so that the Panthers end up with the first overall pick. Oh, uh, and uh, before we move on to uh, the games, um, let's do a congratulations to Jim Zimbelman. Uh, Jim got <laughs> engaged this week. Yeah, thank you. Round of applause. <laughs> got some, I got somebody to say yes to a goofy guy like me. So very happy. That's, thank you. That's um, pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Thank you, everyone. And then um, uh, also a quick congratulations out to Robbie Gold, who announced that he was retiring today. That's a, that's a longtime fan favorite there. And shout out to Chris, best signing ever. <laughs> And even after he left the Bears, he continued to torment the Packers in the playoffs. So oh, I know that video of him after kicking the winner is 
going to live on in Chicago lore forever, even though it's a Niners clip. Yeah, great career for Robbie. Hope he enjoys his retirement. Yeah. All right, so um, so the first game on the list is you know Lions at Bears. Well, I think we covered it a bit already. Um, Bears played the Lions really tough in Detroit. I'm sure the Lions are not going to take them lightly, but the Lions haven't been playing very well. And we know the story on Goff when he's outdoors and in December in the cold. And the Lions' defense is just god awful. Yeah, like they've got a lot of good players, but they cannot stop anybody. I mean, they had what a twenty-eight nothing lead against the Saints last week and almost blew it. And the Saints' yep. offense isn't good, so. No. Like they can't, they can't stop anybody. I'm expecting a good game from Fields and from the Bears running game. And, you know, we'll see if Goff can hold serve because I expect the Bears to score here just because they're at home and the Lions' defense is one of the worst in the league. So, well, we'll like, you, I mean, like you said, the Lions uh, have been uh, on uh, a continuation, is the Lions just haven't been playing very well, period. Um, no. the, their uh, matchup predictor is 62% Detroit. Uh, you know, I, I do, I have a hunch that Fields is going to play pretty well down the stretch. Um, I think that, uh, the Bears, like you said, certainly should have the opportunity to get the running game going. Um, if they... Uh, if the line can block like it has the last two games, um, they should do okay. Uh, you know, the the big thing, of course, is that they just shoot themselves in the foot so much. Um, so it will come down to who shoots themselves in the foot last, which will probably be the Bears. <laughs> so, uh, I, I would say that this game is probably going to be pretty similar to the last one. I think it's actually going to be closer. I think it's going to be right down at the end. You see the Lions kick a field goal to win the game. Yeah, I mean, it might just follow the classic script of the Lions are the better coached team. So, Bears are going to hang around, but when it gets down to the last 10 minutes, the Bears are going to do something stupid, and the Lions are going to do something smarter, and that's going to be the difference. So, I mean, wouldn't be surprised at all, like I said, if the Lions win by a field goal. Uh, that's what the market expects, and, you know, the Lions are the better team and the better coached team, and I, I think this is a good spot for the Bears, but not confident they'll get it done. David Montgomery, a revenge game? I'm sure he'll get in the end zone, and I'm sure that if it's cold out, that the Lions will run a lot, and that means Montgomery is going to get a lot of carries, so I wouldn't be at all surprised if this is the Montgomery had a revenge game in the papers on Monday. Uh, now, I am going to flip the script on that. I think he got his little taste of revenge uh, at the end of that uh, win a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think the defense clamps down on the run here at home, and he doesn't get much of anything. I don't think he even gets a touchdown. Um, and, uh, well, maybe he gets a touchdown via the air, um, but uh, not a rushing touchdown. I think that the Bears 
really clamp down on that. They're going to have to rely on Goff to uh, to do it, but I think Goff is going to use uh, St. Brown enough to um, to get it done. And then the aforementioned uh, Sam Laporta, uh, who is who has done uh, had a pretty good rookie year so far. Um, so that's that. And uh, what's our other game here? Minnesota at Las Vegas. Matchup predictor, 64 to 36. No uh, strong feeling on this one. I was reading an article about how poorly Josh Dobbs has done in his career against teams that play zone defense, which the Raiders do. Yeah. So, I mean, we saw what happened last or two weeks ago now when he went up against the Bears, who also plays zone defense. So, I mean... I don't think the Vikings are noticeably better than the Raiders. He was he was pretty terrible. He I mean he really was. Dobbs was he was awful awful against the Bears. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's awful again. Yeah, Vegas. So I I I mean the Vikings are getting Jefferson back. I I think the Vikings defense is better than Vegas. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings win, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they don't. I think it's kind of just one of those meh games against two pretty kind of forgettable teams, <laughs> to be honest. Vikes by three. That one might be a good betting game. I think the Vikings cover and, uh, that. I bet the Raiders are at three. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't know. I'm liking the, I'm liking the Vikings to cover the cover the field goal there but what uh, um, right. um you know uh obviously uh getting um getting jefferson's uh back is, is a big deal if if dobbs can get him the ball uh, so um and then uh then the uh the monday night games you know uh green bay at new york a lot of people Really high on Green Bay, and rightfully so. They've played really well over the last month. Um, the Giants stink, but Giants have had a lot of time off. They're coming off their bye, and they get the extra day, too. So every day helps when it comes to rest in the NFL. And wouldn't surprise me if they came out with a pretty good game plan. They've got a good coaching staff, and I think they're going to be ready to go on Monday Night Football. Um, Packers are a far better team, so... Expect the Packers to win, but would not surprise me at all if the Giants keep this one closer than people expect, especially because just Saquon can kind of change the game, especially when he's going against the Packers defense, which has played a little better, but I still don't think is that good. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's a close one, but Packers probably win on the road. I um, I agree with you. Uh, it's Packers by six and a half, which I actually think that's, I think that's kind of a big number, but I could see them covering. Uh, if they continue to play like they have the last few weeks, I could see them doing that. I don't like uh, New York as a whole uh, very much. Uh, they don't seem to do a, a very much well at all. Uh, and um, uh, while the only thing, the bright glimpse for them has been uh, Tommy DeVito, <laughs> which... How, how how perfect is that guy for playing for the Giants? Yeah, <laughs> Tommy DeVito. You know he plays for the Giants. So um, you know uh, it's uh, it's Packers by six and a half. I I don't know. I, I still think that's kind of a big number because um, while I think that Jordan Love is is doing really well, 
Um, and I think he uh, has a really good receiving core there. Um, I think he's also the kind of player that can go and lay an egg at any time. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, it, it, it's on the road. And anytime you're playing on the road, things are a lot different. And uh, it could, you know, the, the like you said, uh, the Giants are coming off um, uh, a game, uh, uh, coming off a break, so they'll they'll be fired up to play, um, and uh, they they could rally and, and make this a make this a really close one. I would expect the Packers to win, um, but uh, uh, the I wouldn't be you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be super shocked if somehow the Giants uh, squeaked out a close one. That deep ball, ball that Love threw, the big one against the Chiefs last week. Yeah. I was like, how long could that ball have been in the air? I was like, somebody <laughs> knocked that down. It hung up there forever. So, like, he has played well. I don't want to knock him. I think he's been getting a little lucky. But, hey, I mean, for the first part of the season, everyone was like, yeah, this guy's a, a total disaster. And he's played really well. And, look, I mean, this has some implications on the Bears game, too. The Packers players are talking about still having a shot at the division. Yeah. And the rest of their schedule is pretty weak. Giants, Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, Bears. They could easily win all five of those. So I think they're two and a half back of the Lions right now. But if the Packers are going to have any shot at the division, then they need the Bears to beat the Lions this week. So maybe that's extra incentive to want the Bears to lose. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, that, that is one kind of derivative of the Bears game that, you know, if the Bears win, it does make it a little more likely that the Packers could actually catch the, the, the Lions. Still pretty unlikely, but they're talking like they have a chance. So uh, I, keep an eye on. Uh, and, you know, it, it's more, I, I certainly give them uh, more than, you know, it's like one of those, uh, just one of those mere mathematical things. It, it's, it's a legit chance. Um, that they could they could surge like you said when you look at that list of games all of those are winnable um now I, i'm certainly like the most lions thing ever too to blow like <laughs> absolutely absolutely so well uh that's uh that's it for uh this week you got any uh, parting thoughts uh, we got to do Survivor quick. Oh, right. Alive. Yes, we're still alive in Survivor. We actually have made it in the money. Yeah, we're. I think there's 28 left out of over 1,700. So we've crushed it, got a little lucky. I mean, look no further than last week where we picked the Chargers who won six to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That entire game, I was like, because I hate the Chargers like more than any team. And that entire game, I was like, just waiting for them to do like something so mind-numbingly stupid to blow that game. But oh, absolutely. Um, and unfortunately with Kenny Pickett's injury, I don't think we can use the Steelers here because I have been eyeing this for a while. It's like, hey, this is just like a, a smash Steelers spot. But it's Mitch Trubisky. I don't think so. So I think the game I've had my eyes on is Texans over Jets. I don't love it. I think the Texans have been getting a little lucky. I think the weather is going to be pretty bad, but it's Zach Wilson. He's awful. He's apparently reluctant to start, but he's going to start. And look, there's something weird that happens in the NFL where it's like quarterback gets benched and then like three weeks later comes back. And then for some reason, people think the quarterback got better over those three weeks. <laughs> I mean, we, we saw that. Remember when 
They benched Mitch Trubisky for Nick Foles, and then Nick Foles got hurt, and they had to bring Trubisky back, and was like, all right, let's go, Mitch Trubisky. And I'm trying to forget it. As he was. <laughs> like, I, 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 the Texans need this game, too. Like, they're fighting for a playoff spot. And, I mean, the Jets are... The Texans, the Texans are playing well, period, and they're a good coach team. D'Amico Ryan's, it to me, is a legit contender for head coach of the year. Absolutely. Um, other teams we could use. I mean, we could use the Saints at home against Carolina. I, I don't trust the Saints, but Carolina's pretty bad. We could use Baltimore against the Rams. Kind of got a weird feeling about that game. Um, we could use and uh, I and well and I, I told you I like the I like Packers versus the Giants. Yeah, um, the Packers were the other one I was thinking about. Yeah, so you know I I do I like Packers versus Giants. Um, I do like the Ravens um, game uh, simply because the Ravens are playing better. Um, they're coming off a bye, and uh, they um uh you know they're 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 playing at home. Um, I think. Uh, I like that game for um, Jackson to come out and have a really good game in that game. Um, uh, LA's played playing pretty good, but they're on the road on grass, so I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't really like them that much when they're when they're under that. Or, wait a second, does yeah. do, the, do the Ravens play on grass? They play on grass, don't they? I think so. They are at home for sure. Yeah, LA like they're six and six, but their wins aren't very impressive, so. I mean, I, I'm okay with Baltimore if that's what you want to do. Um, Baltimore is a team that has a couple of pretty easy games down the stretch. Actually, sorry, that they're only they're, the only other time we'd ever use them is last week of the season against the Steelers, I think. So I'd be fine using them here. Um, let's keep an eye on the weather. I think there's going to be a lot of really weird weather in the Northeast, like. I've heard that like teams could be playing in like monsoons, <laughs> so if that's the case, maybe we switch. But I'm I'm okay going with the Ravens for now. I think I agree they probably get that one done. I you know I also I see your logic in Carolina at New Orleans, but man, New Orleans, wow, that team is just David Carr is garbage. <laughs> and he, and he might not even play. I think it's going to be Winston. Oh yeah, yeah, which is even worse. And they're they're terribly coached as well. Yeah, I mean, they're just a terrible Dennis, team. Dennis Allen is is right there with Matt Eberflus when you're talking about the worst coaches in the league. I'd love to be able to steal Chris Olave. <laughs> yes. Um, so Baltimore, Houston sounds like you like Baltimore a little better. Yeah, I like that one right now. Um, I, I, right. I, I think. Uh, I mean, you know, we've played the we've played this season as. Let's go with the best bet that we have in front of us. And I think we've done a really, I mean, we're still in it. So we've obviously done a decent job of it. That's a, probably a pretty good way to, to, to keep with it is simply we need to do what's best to win this week. And that one is a pretty good win. Yeah, figure it out. All right, I like it. So we're looking at Baltimore for this week. So uh, if you guys are following along, check that box and... Uh, well, uh, uh, I I do think the I think the Bears are gonna I, I think it's gonna, I think that game is gonna be pretty close. It's a noon game, so it should be fun. 
Yeah, come see us. At, at do you know Paul's. what? Hey, do you know what the weather's going to be like up? Are you, you're not going to Chicago this weekend, are you? No, but it's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. Um, I think it's going to be like, I think I saw around low thirties. Ooh, ooh, chilly game at Soldier Field. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, another week in the books. So let's hope for a bear surprise and bear down. Bear down.